Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in on a Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. or presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Busy weekend. Big win for Nebraska basketball. We'll focus on that. Some news and notes around the college football world. A familiar face back in Bama with a Husker tie and performance, dare I say, metrics for not quite junior. I don't know if he's claimed anymore at Thanksgiving, but uh, this coming down from Scott Docterman on Brian Ferentz. We'll tell you about that. Plenty of thoughts from Fred Hoiberg as Nebraska notches a, another win, a really uh, well important win. They're all important, but a, a, a fun day yesterday for Husker basketball fans at PBA. We'll spend time on that. More thoughts on the support staff number. For Nebraska football, that is getting clearer and clearer with Coach Rule. And uh, we'll talk about it with some uh, great names. We'll hear from Jake Milheisen, a Husker basketball analyst, standout Husker in Southeast Knight. He's been along for the ride all season long for a lot of years with Husker basketball. Jake with us in about 20 minutes. Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride will get all Super Bowl ready with Coach McBride as it is Super Week. Get his take on some ins and outs with Nebraska football, winter conditioning as they prep for spring football. And then the NFL angle from Blackshirt Husker NFLer co-host Big Red Wrap-Up Jay Moore, along with his thoughts on Nebraska moving forward. Numbers to get in today on Hale Varsity, 466-3776-466-37-76-800-825. 5865. Can email the show, Chris at AleVarsity.com. And be sure to catch us on different platforms. You can listen always on the radio across the Hale Varsity network and also watch and listen on different platforms Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Facebook, ESPN Lincoln, Twitter, ESPN Lincoln, Twitter, Hale Varsity Radio's Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. And uh, as always, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel can submit comments there. Uh, subscribe to that. Subscribe to us. Catch Damon and Andrew Coffee and Cream in the morning, 7 to 9 on your way in. Catch us on your way home, 4 to 6 with Hale Varsity. Elijah, you sent me a, a picture late Saturday night, and that sounds creepy at first, but in all honesty, I mean, it does. It, it, it does. Well, I got this, uh, this picture from Elijah. Well, it's, even, it's even creepier whenever you learn it was a picture of my ribs. It, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Elijah, we got to have a talk, son. Uh, no, you, you did your ribs. You had your, uh, your, your introductory 
pre-Super Bowl smoke mm-hmm. is what she did. Uh, I ended up, my mom was in town, so we had dinner with her Saturday and we had dinner with her Sunday and got to see my brother and his kids. It was fun. Um, but I, did, I didn't do any grilling or outdoor cooking. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed as, as nice as the weather's been, but I will get to it this upcoming weekend. You went with some baby backs, correct? Yeah, I had uh, one rack of baby backs, one right. rack of St. Louis style. I did one honey barbecue and one more of like a, uh, a gold barbecue sauce. Yeah, that's what, it, that's what it looked like. So you, you sent me pictures late Saturday night of your ribs and... How were they? They looked incredible. Oh, they were incredible. They, 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 were, they, they were so good that me and the roommates uh, have today decided that we're all going to collectively start a diet. We have a 90-day fitness challenge to go into because uh, the ribs are so good. We kind of gorged Before ourselves. Before the Super Bowl? Felt bad about ourselves. Yeah, so we're going to get the first weekend, and that's like your nice little <laughs> light at the end of the tunnel so, after so you're gonna do your So you're going to do your spring conditioning. You're going to do your spring ball. You're going to do... Uh, uh, a little bit of training before spring break, so to speak, or the mother of all food days, Super Bowl Sunday. Well, I have it planned out really, really well. So we're going to have – so week one of the diet starts this week, <laughs> and then we got Super Bowl Sunday where you get to go, okay, you made it through week one, congrats, good job. Then you're right back into the grind. And then I, uh, the first weekend in March, will be going to Vegas for UFC. So then there's another light at the end of the tunnel. Well, here's the month one. Uh, and then baseball season starts up, and then uh, I grind it, and we're going 90 days uh, so that realistically puts us, we're trying to start uh, a little bit earlier, but we kind of all got busy as a, mm. as a house and then the ribs thing happened. We went, all right, finally, this is probably a good, a good reason to start it. So we're going till the end of May, 90 okay. ish days. And, uh, we're going to keep metrics as we go. Whoever wins it, uh, the fitness challenge, which, uh, just whoever, what, wins what are you guys metrics. wanting to lose weight wise? Uh, TBD. Uh, I don't quite know. It's kind of going to be a, a week by week journey. Your guys are heavy. You still have decent metal- metabolism, as easy for me to say. You haven't hit forty yet. You haven't hit thirty five yet. Metabolism goes to die. So I mean, I put on five pounds since summer, and that was enough for me. Where I went, okay, let's let's <laughs> let's let's rein it in here, Elijah. So I put on five in a week. So I, th- I think the metrics we're looking at, which we haven't put fully in place yet, is total weight lost, um, body fat percentage lost. Uh, muscle mass gained, and then who's got the most impressive before and after picture? So we got four metrics God. for three roommates. So someone's got to win. So you're going to go from taking pictures of of ribs to a, a weekly status update to you? You're, 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 yeah, you're going to go. You're going to you're going to give me the old Bama playbook where you walk in as a freshman, you tell them to take their shirt off. It's all baby fat. And then by the time they graduate, this is your before and your after picture. Don't send me those. Well, we'll Just see. give me the numbers. We'll see. May is, May is right around the corner, so it's not that much time. But whoever wins it uh, will have the losers pay their rent for the month of June. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a nice little incentive at the We end. will stop about meat pictures and topless photos as our viewership <laughs> is now sinking like a rock in water. We'll get into some basketball. Are you like this as a Nebraska basketball fan? where you're surprised when they win, it's okay. Because I'm there. I'm absolutely there. I watched the game yesterday and was impressed with their start. I loved their their offense. Both teams were scorching the nets to start off. Nebraska got some distance. Nebraska got up by double digits. Nebraska got up by as many as 15. And then Penn State would have that token six to eight point run. You had to drop in the proverbial Nebraska scoring drought around four minutes in the first half. But even even as it got cut to four, what I loved about yesterday was Nebraska's patience. Nebraska stayed patient on offense, and they always seemed 
to have at the right time an answer bucket. It got down to four. It may even got down to three. But they always found a good shot close to the rim or they hit a timely three to push that lead back up to, to five, to seven, to eight. And then they got in some transition. Defense was locked in. They rebounded their butt off. They were good at taking care of the basketball, just seven turnovers. I thought the assists were great. They shared the basketball. They just made plays. And I was sitting with with Dolman. We were watching the game, and I'm not a gambler. But it's one of those games where you feel, you look at the line, and Nebraska's an underdog at home by five. You're like, this is a total give me. I didn't act on it. I know it's after the fact. Sure, Schmidt, yeah. But it felt like one of those games where you know Penn State was in for it. You know Nebraska was bound to play better. They'd lost four straight. They'd been competitive. They'd not gotten absolutely boat raced. I know some of the scores have been deceiving. I know Maryland put it on them. But that was even that was a competitive game for the majority of it. So you still got a lot of fight and, and pretty much no quit in Nebraska despite their circumstances. You've got young guys that are playing better. And hitting some key shots. Nebraska was still not great from the free throw line. The other part of yesterday, too, was, man, it's it's nice when this game just flows because there's not 78 whistles. And I know they let them play a little bit, and there was minimal free throws for both teams. I know Penn State only got four, but they're, they're a jump-shooting team. They're not driving to the rim all the time. So, overall, every game, to me, is like a loss until it's not. And that's that's negative and that's sad to say. And you're surprised when they win. You feel good for them when they win because of all the effort they, they put in. And, you know, can we see more of this moving forward? Can they go get Michigan, who's really up and down? How can they finish out? They've got a little bit of a break with more home games here in February. And can they make a push towards 500? Two weeks ago, we're talking about maybe not winning another game. And it's it can it can flip that way. And a lot of the reason Nebraska's in the conversation where you're still showing up for them, you're still paying attention to them, because the, the, they are they are likable. They're beyond likable. You're actually rooting for them because of how much they care and the effort they put in. You want to see them rewarded with wins. Uh, they've, they've at least grasped you that way. They've not just been totally, I can't watch this anymore, turn them off. There's been teams like that the last two years because of the selfishness and the personalities. It's the exact opposite this year. So good for Fred, good for Nebraska, good for the young guys stepping up, making plays, and the old guys standing sturdy. And I think think they did what they needed to do. They had to have that yesterday. Mm-hmm. And and they let Penn State do what they do and they defended well enough and Penn State wasn't going to stay on that heater from three-point land. It got tedious. It got dicey. And for a moment there I was like, man, I wish I could have bet Penn State in the money line. Because it's one of those games where you lead. And Nebraska led all game. It was tied once. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those games where this would be absolutely Nebraska basketball will kick you in the junk and and be up 15 or 17 and then lose the game by a point on a three-point shot at the end. That's just what the that's what the sport that's what Nebraska basketball has done to you, the Nebraska basketball fan in the past. Now, I think one of the most encouraging parts about yesterday was the fact that 
you have three players I think you could reasonably make an argument for to, to win player of the game. And obviously, Kise is probably going to be first in sure. the power rankings, but you had three guys that were making crucial plays down the stretch of that game to secure the win with Derek Walker, him doing the dirty work down low for rebounding. I know he only had six rebounds. His but assists were gorgeous. I was getting there. I was getting there. I was going to say, like, but the, the rebounding... Only ends up with six rebounds. Could have had more, but a good team rebounding effort and getting the uh, the one guy out of there down low, it uh, freed up some other guys to rebound. You have Jamarcus Lawrence. Uh, I mean, you, you just hit on the passing of, of Derek Walker, but those those backdoor cuts mm-hmm. in that, that second half were huge. Uh, finding a couple Those of were the things. smart shots. Yes. And then you, you know have what? Jamarcus Lawrence. He hit some big shots down the stretch of that game as well, and I think he's probably third in the power rankings of, of potential player of the games yesterday, but from where he was a couple of weeks ago to what he was yesterday, he's shown some strides, and he hit some big shots down the stretch. And then Kise with the 30 points. Uh, always felt like when Nebraska needed a bucket, when Nebraska needed somebody to make a shot, Kise would step up and, and make that shot. And just that Nebraska was able to have three guys all step up down the stretch is what allowed them to get that win, and I think it's the most encouraging thing I saw yesterday. Yeah, they weren't so reliant on as, as big as Walker is. It didn't have to go through him offensively. It didn't have to be Greasel at the free throw line. I mean, it was Sam Hoiberg with some key free throws. It was Lawrence, that key three. And then Kisei always had an answer and was so good. Seven for eight backdoor cuts without the, the basketball and was very, very consistent from three. It was the three-point shooting that opened up those backdoor cuts because sure. he'd fake a little cut one way, the the defense would bite thinking he's going to try to free himself for a three, and then, oh, boom, backdoor's wide open. It, it was. And how sustainable is he? Like, he had been starting, then he went back to the bench, and now he got the start again yesterday. I mean, it's it's a fun moment. You're going to remember that where Kise went for 30. Some of you are warming to his personality, or at least how demonstrative is he is on the court. So he drives some of you nuts, totally get it, but his production can't be noted. He is a good ball player, and while still a liability defensively, there's a guy or two on that team that they're just they're not great defensively. They're more effort guys than just naturally skilled, but they can make up for it if they're on on the offensive end. And with Kisei, the the thing that you don't want, you don't want it to go from from efficient and wow to forced. And I think there's been times in his career where he's absolutely forced it. And it's been kind of that team identity in the past where you've had a bunch of guys that just jack one up because they don't know if they're going to get the ball back. You don't have that element, really. They're really spaced out. They move well without the basketball. It's good flow. And they're just really looking for the best shot. There's still a couple of guys that take a quick shot in the shot clock, maybe at bad times if someone's on a run. It's not even into the the, the pool of hero ball. But you'll see a guy like like Breidenbach will come in and and he'll he'll take a three. And and he's not a great three point shooter, but he's he's hit enough that that's an, an okay shot for him to take per his coaching staff. Uh, Breidenbach's one of those guys, every time he lets it go from three, you're going, no, no, no. Then it goes in, you're like, all right. And same with Kise. I mean, the, the, the deeper he gets from three, you're like, dude, what are you doing? But he he was feeling it. He hit it. The heat checks went in for the most part. There's only a couple of, what the hell was that, clankers. But overall, man, you love the effort. You They, they get the win. And we'll see if they get a disinterested or or an interested Michigan team on Wednesday night. And, like, 
I think we can all agree that the wins and losses moving forward don't necessarily it's matter. It's how it looks. It's how it looks if you can squeak out a couple. I mean, yesterday looked great. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most encouraging thing. If Nebraska and it was up, still dangerous. You know, you got to piss this away. Yeah, and if Nebraska ends up losing that game, as you said, like a three-pointer at the buzzer, you'd feel disappointed. But I think you'd feel at least encouraged by some of the play moving forward. And I'm not one that believes that the wins and losses is the be-all, end-all for Fred Hoiberg to finish this season. It's important, yes. I don't think it's the be-all, end-all. It's great to get a win like that yesterday. Can you stack good performances, though? I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily worried about stacking wins, especially with a team like Michigan coming up, but... Can you stack good performances on top of each other and go into a tough place to win in Michigan and, and go at least put up a good effort? Well, and with Nebraska basketball fans, there's a, a section of the crowd, and they've got a valid point. Look, it's year four. It's beyond the the good try, good effort. you got to be winning some ball games, And uh, based on where they're at, the reality they're at with their youth – um, it, it's going to be what it looks like to end this season. Jake Mielheisen's next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back to it at Hale Varsity Radio. Still smiles with Nebraska basketball down in Penn State. Part of the Husker Network. Great coverage on Nebraska basketball. Jake Mielheisen stand out for the Big Red. And, of course, a great ball player for Lincoln Southeast. Jake, thanks for the time. Are you still grinning uh, from yesterday? Thanks for uh, popping by. What, a, what an atmosphere, man. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Schmidt. It, uh, it was an awesome atmosphere. You kind of wondered with the, the nice weather outside and, and, you know, Nebraska sitting at 10 and 13 before yesterday if the fans were going to show up. But, gosh, it was awesome. And I talked to a lot of people today at work that, they were talking how good the the atmosphere was and the energy in there, and then obviously, you know, you're smiling. And whenever whenever KZ drops a thirty piece, uh, it's pretty it's pretty fun to watch because you know he's uh, he just he has so much fun playing out there, and he puts on a show for the Husker fans. That's for dang sure. Well, he was hot, obviously uh, thirty burger, which was great, and his reactions and mannerisms are priceless uh about every shot about every trip down the court i got a kick out of fred uh, his his subtle little you know don't let a guy come back down and bust one in your face but uh it, it was it was entertaining to, to 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 see him do his thing and you know what's this season been like for you and for kent and the crew i mean so much energy and effort every time the guys go out it's not always gone the right way for Nebraska basketball, but it's just a different, I don't know, mentality or feel with this squad. I agree. And I'll, I'll just start with this group and coaching staff, just so easy to cheer for. And they're, they're great guys to be around and traveling with them. You know, the players are, you know, super nice to, to everyone. They seem to get along. The coaching staff is just a, it just feels like a, a family and you can see it on the floor. You can see it amongst players and coaches, and um, they just play hard. They 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 started off this year, and it's been kind of a year of ups and downs. And 
Um, but they, they created that identity of, hey, we're going to be hard-nosed and physical, and, and our identity is going to be on the defensive end. And then, obviously, you lose Bandamel and Gary, our, our two best defenders. So now we're trying to recreate what our identity is midseason, which is hard to do. But you know, I thought I think we played some really good basketball. Obviously, we had Purdue on the ropes. Should, really should have won that game. Uh, but we played really good basketball, and now um, some different guys are having to step up, and, and it's been uh, kind of neat to watch some of those young guys and Denham Dawson and Jamarcus Lawrence and even Sam Hoiberg really come in and fill some roles uh, left behind by, by Gary and Vandermel. But I think Jamarcus Lawrence is going to be – hopefully he sticks around for a long time, but I think he's going to be a really special player uh, for the Big Red. Jake, I want to get to those young guys here in just a second, but first you mentioned the identity aspect of things. Do you think after yesterday that this team has an identity that they can fall back upon to finish the year? I I think so. I think I think their identity is still defensively, but it's not uh, the the same thought process of hey, we can line up. We have you know we have five dudes that can really guard one on one. We're doing more you know just a team approach defense where hey, we know that we don't have a couple guys out there that are elite defenders, so we're really um, in pat in the in the help side defense and really trying to change things up from we go from man to zone and that whether or not going to trap the post so really trying to keep uh, teams off balance but I, I think I saw last yesterday that we really tried to push the tempo offensively for the first time in a while I think you'll see that more uh, the remaining game simply to see hey can we push the tempo off a defensive rebound and if we can get an easy one you saw a couple in transition, when Casey got a three, you saw the one we passed it up ahead to, to Sam Greasel for a dunk. So I think we'll see if we can get some easy ones in transition. Um, but it, I think the identity is still going to be defensively, but they're still trying to find uh, each player's roles now because everybody's role has now changed. Jake Mule Eisen with us, Sale Varsity Radio, Husker Color Analyst at Jake Mules, where you find him on Twitter. You catch him and Kent uh, with Nebraska Basketball prod- Broadcasts on the network and our affiliate 590 does such a great job of coverage with the Big Red. Let's talk Fred, and he is such a pro, but he's also a, a, a high-level teacher. And Jake, speak to the buy-in he's got from the from the kids this year, young to old. I, yeah, that's a great word to use. I mean, these guys are all bought in, and they they believe in what the coaching staff's putting in front of them. You just look at, you know, from year over year. I mean, this this team this year, they they know what works, and that's really they know that what they can control. And the buy-in on the effort and the defensive side is is right there in front of everybody. It's it's been shown throughout this season. And when what what happens when they start winning games? You just look at the game we go on the road and, and beat Creighton. And when you beat a, a team like that, um, you know when they're ranked seventh in the country, you go that really helps that buy-in. But even with the injuries, um, all players believe in each other. They believe in the game plan that the coaches are putting in front of them. And just look at the game plan we put out last yesterday against Penn State that. That, uh, that that Fred and his crew did, and it was it was executed almost to perfection. And so, when you win a game like that, and you execute the game plan, that buy-in becomes even greater. So, hopefully, they, okay, that blueprint worked. That's the recipe for success. So, how do we apply that same mentality? And to your question earlier, at what, how do we apply that same identity to now moving forward on the road at Michigan on Wednesday? 
if you were to give me, and I'm not asking for a favorite, but just with your analyst cap on and the former player background, who's been the most important guy this year for the Nebraska basketball team? That's a great question because I think you could argue a couple of guys and primarily you know, Derek Walker or Sam Riesel. Um, I'm, I'll probably go with Sam simply because he handles the ball you know majority of the time and and he has that that responsibility where you know Derek handles a lot especially if we're big but you know Sam has that basketball a long time and sometimes in games where pressure is is applied to him you know St. John's and some of those it's just it's a lot of responsibility and takes a lot of a lot, a lot of energy out of a player so I'll put Sam just because he can guard one through four um, and then his ball handling, getting the team in the right sets, pushing the tempo on offense, and really kind of being the, the, the engine that runs that offense. So Sam and, and Derek are obviously bringing the leadership, but on the flip side of things, now some younger guys having to step up, and you, you mentioned them just a little bit earlier in the interview, but when you look at Jamarcus Lawrence and Denim Dawson, Sam Hoiberg, what kind of strides have you seen from those guys as they've stepped into bigger roles over the past couple of weeks, and, and what does Nebraska need from them moving forward? Yeah, I think it's just been it's been kind of uh, interesting to watch because they obviously weren't getting a ton of minutes. Uh, those three guys combined, and then you lose Gary and Vandermill, and they're kind of forced into a role that um, they weren't planning on getting. They were kind of starting to feel comfortable in what their role was, but you get thrown in the starting lineup, and that changes. And you know, none of them shied away from playing big minutes, playing twenty or thirty minutes a game. To start with with Benham Dawson. I mean, he's not going to be. Uh, a huge scoring threat for you. I mean, he's shown that he can score five, seven, nine points in a given game and knock down some some shots from perimeter. But he's a great athlete, can get to the rim. He's smart with the ball. But then what he really does well for this team is he fills that role of uh, Juwan Gary, where his size and athleticism can really guard one through four. And you saw that yesterday. He was he was guarded one through four on Penn State. He did a great job against uh, against Shannon uh, at Illinois. Uh, when we were out, uh, out in Champaign last week. So he's just a guy that's really stepped up in his role. And then Jamarcus Lawrence, and what can you say about him? That three that he hit uh, yesterday with a minute to go was just huge, and he's gaining more and more confidence. You saw early in the year that he was a little bit gun-shy, not only shooting the ball, but when to attack. But right now his confidence is growing. You saw him throw that pass between the legs to KZ yesterday. So he's, he's gaining confidence, and he's a really good defender as well. He was on Jalen Pickett a lot of the time yesterday and did a great job one-on-one. And then Sam Hoiberg, I mean, what do you say about that guy where he wasn't playing at all? He comes in and, and, and drains, what do you make, 14 or 15 points at Maryland mm-hmm. and really was the catalyst off the bench that got that team going. Played well against Northwestern, started um, at Illinois. He played big minutes last night. And, you know, the, the free throws that he knocked down, he just watched his senior leader Missed three in a row in Derek Walker, but he gets up and knocks down three in a row. Um, so just love to love what he's doing and, and adding to this team as well. Jake, when you look at the future of this program, a thought on some of the youth as they project forward, and then kind of what's in the pipeline here. Uh, do you think? And I know you're going to lose two guys in Greasel and Walker. Uh, you'll get Gary back, Kesey, and uh, of course the, the three young pups. You know, could could things turn the corner a year from now with this nucleus that's back? I think it can. I think that, you know, uh, the unfortunate injuries to Gary and Bandamel um, will help this team for next year and just assume that, that Dawson 
and and Jamarcus Lawrence, obviously Sam Hoiberg, then you have Breidenbach, Wiltshire, Tomonaga, Oleg, um, and then Gary back. Assuming everybody returns, that's a pretty good nucleus right there. And then you get to that portal, um, you're going to have to get um, you know a trans uh, a point guard uh, in some form, you know, to replace Greasel. Try to get another big, but you have Blaze Kata, that I didn't mention as well. He's he's has gotten better this year. Ramel Lloyd is redshirting. I think he has a ton of potential. So I think you have a, a core group. Where you're going to have to go out and get get some um, some scoring, some proven scoring in that transfer portal. But you have a, a good base of guys that that play the right way. They want to play hard. They listen to their coaches, and they they play to win for their team and not play for themselves. Okay, Michigan coming up. Thoughts on that one? And then just your overall take. You've seen everybody in the Big Ten. How many Big Ten teams do you think are dancing? Well, let's start with Michigan. I, they're kind of a weird team. I'm not super impressed with them. Obviously, they, they beat Ohio State yesterday. I didn't get to watch a whole lot of that game. But um, they've played so poorly up until the last two games. They won against Northwestern and then Ohio State. But I think if you can take away Dickinson, and, and I think that's what we're going to do. They're not an elite shooting team. So I think, uh, and I'm feeling more confident, obviously, before yesterday you, you lose some confidence. But after yesterday, I feel more confident. I, I think we go in there with a similar type mindset. I think we can give uh, the Wolverines a challenge. But you know, top to bottom, the, the Big Ten is just crazy right now, where Purdue, obviously, the clear-cut favorite. Um, you know, they're, they're tough. They'll be in the dance and be tough a tough out with, with Zach Eady, Indiana's getting better, um, but other, after that, I mean, I don't know, I don't know where you go. Illinois, maybe, mm-hmm. um, but then you have that log jam from you know four to to twelve, essentially. So I think you, I think the Big Ten, uh, if they don't beat each other up too much, we'll probably get oh six or seven in. Is my guess right now? That's fair. That's kind of what the, the, the crop report's been saying. Jake Milheisen with us, color analyst, Nebraska basketball standout for the Big Red and a uh, great ball player for Southeast at Jake Mule on Twitter. Jake, we'll do this again. Enjoy February. Thanks for a few minutes. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Jake Mielheisen. That interview going to be posted on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. The whole show can get the whole show or different segments. Charlie McBride, 20 minutes away. Jay Moore, next hour. Open phones here till 5 at 466-377-6800-825-5865. So, some real heat 
towards Brian Ferentz and Iowa football. So last week you had a media session uh, that was Iowa's signing day and more and more questions lobbed at, lobbed at Captain Kirk, uh, Kirk Ferentz, uh, about, all right, what's, are, are you going to keep your staff, i.e., are you going to whack your kid because of how poor the Iowa offense was last year? And, and you know, Kirk's been coaching for 24 years. He's won a lot of ball games in Iowa City. He's not really fireable with the way he keeps uh, winning, first of all. And second of all, his contract has always protected him quite a bit. And he just deflects, no. Uh, is the offense great? No, but... Listen, I think 24 points, I'm paraphrasing, but 24 points a game is pretty darn good in the West. It, it is. I mean, they, they, they wasted the mother of all elite defenses. The 9 Huskers look at last year's Iowa offense and say, man, ours was not great, but at least we had a kicking game and a run game. They averaged 14. 15 points a game if you take away all the defensive scores. Well, I'm glad you didn't put in offensive yardage because Kirk Ferentz has already said that's the most overrated stat in football. So their yardage apparently doesn't matter one bit. No, it isn't. Yards per carry in the fourth quarter. What are you allowing? What are you getting? Okay? And, 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 And that's something that he's like situationally in tune with. But Brian Ferentz had his salary whacked by 50 grand. It was at $900,000. Effective the first day of this month, it's dropped. And they're now, and this is from Scott Docterman and Max Olson, there are now performance metrics. Uh, There are objectives to hit. And Iowa needs to score 25 a game. I don't know after the dot, 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 or else. Because if they win 8, 9, 10 ballgames next year, scoring 24 a game, Ference is going to say, shove it. See, we're, we're fine. He doesn't like being told what to do, and it's personal because it's his kid. I think his kid has had success as an offensive line coach, but now his kid's trying to climb the ladder and probably position himself, you would think, to be, when dad retires, I get the gig. Now, the whole state will revolt in that line of thinking. But, listen, baby Ference has been obnoxious he's been a smack talker I think there's some redeemable value to his offensive line knowledge because he played at a high level on the offensive line he's been in the NFL but he's one of these little snots in my humble opinion that has what he's good at has been overshadowed by who his dad is is he still employed in college football making shy of a million a year if he's not Kirk's kid? The answer is no. And you've had Iowa fan I talked to Iowa Russ. His family's been going to, to, to games for decades. They quit going because they couldn't take the offense. And they're not fair weather fans, man. They, they, are, they, they bleed Iowa gold. They, it's, it's that bad. You saw it. You saw that defense will that team to win at Illinois 9-6. to You had, I don't know, a handful of seven or eight times this year where the Iowa defense held teams to under 10 points. And then you think about the field position and special teams. You know Iowa's going to get set up at the, the opponent 40 once a game based on their history. Give me a three or give me seven. Their quarterback play's not been good. That's where Ference started as kind of a quarterback's coach, and then he's morphed into OC away from the offensive line. Should go back to offensive line 
and just know your role. But that's not what's happening. I'm glad there's been some movement by the Iowa Athletic Department to say, look, uh, you better score 25 a game. That's a large jump. If your offense has only been producing 14 a game without defensive or special team scores, I know it's three phases of football, but typically you had two games this year where Iowa's defense outscored their offense. That's remarkable. (laughs) And in the bowl game, Right in the bowl game, he had a he had a defensive score. He might have had two defensive scores and a special team score. Well, how the hell did Iowa put up thirty points? Well, they had they had a kick return and they had two pick sixes. I mean, that's that's marvelous. But you're not going to have that defense that's at that level every year. You're going to get that once every ten or fifteen years if you're lucky. So we'll see how things move forward. But it's just kind of weird how they settled on. 25 and not 27 well that takes you back to our, our conversation from last week about you know nebraska's offense and defense making a jump what's realistic mm-hmm. i mean iowa was down in the final 10 in terms of points per game last season and to get up to 25 they'd have to jump at least 50 spots <laughs> was, i'm trying to do quick math here. i mean was, well we were talking about you know what what's realistic for nebraska steve tweets in it's interesting as the oc ference reports to the athletic director barda so the buffer so, there is clearly dead. Supposedly. Well, supposedly just reports to, sure. to part of There's been a lot of discussions among Iowa fans about how true that can, actually is. Can't you is. see like the, the, the dinner table? Right? Sunday dinner. Brian comes over, brings the kids over. He's with mom and dad. At the, you know, it's one of those late Sunday afternoon serious talks around the kitchen table. You know, we're going to have to dock you 50 grand. Uh, sorry it's out of my hands. Come on, dad. Go to your room. I mean, I'm joking, but that's that's what this feels like. And, you know, I don't know how well he's liked or respected within the, the Iowa coaching staff. I know guys like and respect working for Coach Ferentz, the ones that are there. I mean, he's had a staff there for a while. They have a good system of what works. But I remember people, whenever Iowa's strength coach got canned a couple of years ago with uh, with all the uh, the negative culture that was in the Iowa weight room at the time. I remember that a couple of those guys also had some problems with Brian Ferentz sure. at the time. No, and he was linked. And that's why it was assumed by me, at least, that with last season's performance by the Iowa offense, I believe, what was it, like 16 points a game? That, that you know, that would be the end for him. Like, combine former players saying, you know what, we didn't think we were treated right by Brian Ferentz, and now you're not able to put up 20 points a game in 2022 college football, you would think that'd be the end of the road. But no, now he's got to get 25 points a game in seven wins. And for what it's worth, 25 points a game is more than what Nebraska put up last season. Well, 20, 25 a and game. You, you have to remember that that also combines the couple games where Casey Thompson was unable to play and Nebraska's offense looked like a, a mess. 25 a game in the Big Ten West, like the key number's 30, right? You score 30, you're going to win most of your Big Ten games. You're going to have slugfest against Wisconsin. You're going to have your slugfest against Iowa and Illinois, where if you get to 24, you've done pretty good. But it's usually a special teams play or a big play that does it in. What's going to get you consistent points, and it's going to be no turnovers, it's going to be field position, it's going to be run game, it's going to be run defense, and then limiting big plays on offense. I mean, you look at what Nebraska did, as inconsistent as their offense was, uh, Purdue was your Big Ten West champ. They escaped with their life because they got palmered. And then Iowa absolutely got palmered. They couldn't match up. Their their key defensive back went down. They had no answer. 
And Casey kept chucking it deep because he had time to do it. And and there you go. Nebraska exploded for an early part of that ball game anyway. Well, wind down hour one. Charlie McBride's on the way. Hour two at Tale Varsity presented by Currency. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio and at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. So we'll get Coach McBride's take on Texas. Lots been talked about and written about with uh, Coach Rule at the Texas High School Coaches Association over the weekend. We'll talk about that Texas emphasis for Coach Rule in Nebraska and how it worked once upon a time for Nebraska in the Big 12 and uh, just why or the reasoning they went away from it. I, I understand it. You weren't playing there every year and you weren't hosting anybody from there every year once you moved to the Big Ten. Nick chimes in. He says Nebraska should dominate the Big Ten West. I think that's uh, what the Big Ten was banking on when Nebraska left the Big 12 annual Nebraska-Ohio State-Michigan matchups, and we just plain suck. Yeah, you don't have a lot of wins over Michigan. You almost had one two years ago. During the Amir era, you went 2-0 against Michigan, 12-13, and and then in uh, 11 uh, well, in 20, uh, 2011, uh, you did not win. You got throttled in uh, 2018. You've not had Michigan visit a lot, just two times since you've lived in the Big Ten. They'll be back for a third year this year. You're kind of trading out Ohio State for Michigan. But that's absolutely why you go get <laughs> Nebraska through the Big Ten. They were still winning. They were still going to conference title games uh, back when you, you, you brought them over. And uh, you just have the, the one win against Ohio State. That was the transition year with Fickle as head coach. You have a, a nice run during the Brady Hoke era, but you have, you have yet to crack the, the seal uh, against Urban or um, uh, Harbaugh in the Big Ten. Well, and I'm, I'm no conspiracy theorist, at least on most things. Uh, there, there, there might be a one or two out there. I kind of believe in Bigfoot, but I digress. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it is funny that Nebraska, Ohio State, year in, year out, year in, year out. You play Ohio State, and then but, as soon as Michigan starts getting up to national relevancy, you swap out Ohio but State that's, for Michigan. But that's why you get Nebraska is because yeah, and whether, I, whether they're winning point. nine games or three, people are still watching, and they want to see that matchup on ABC or NBC or Fox or whoever the hell uh, because it, I mean, it's, it's the helmet game. It may not be any semblance of what – talent needs to be but you know you think that can change finally you get it right here if you're nebraska reminder to get buckled up hands on the wheel eyes and mind straight ahead the driver has one job that's to drive a message from the nebraska department of highway safety office now i mean nebraska's been been a disappointment in the league and they're trying to fix that and nebraska also brushed back with kevin warren during covid and nebraska's going to be Used. They're going to be used because of their brand and their 
viewability. And I mean that as they're recognizable, so they're going to be in prime time. Uh, they need to start living up to it. They're not going to get kicked out of the league. But then insult to injury here, you're not winning these helmet game matchups, and then you're getting scheduled year after year. Okay, who's Nebraska going to take on? Well, we uh, we need eyeballs to start off the season, so it's going to be Nebraska and Minnesota on a Thursday night. And that is getting Ohio State and Michigan treatment. It is, because who's opened up the Big Ten the last few years? It's been an Ohio State or a Michigan in some instances. In some instances, it's been Northwestern and Purdue. Or, or, or Penn State opened up last year at Purdue. So that's where they're at. Hail Varsity presented by Currency for all your equipment. Financing needs go Currency. We'll talk scheduling with Coach McBride uh, as he's up in 10 minutes on Hail Varsity. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. So we have a tweet out to Mike Babcock. There is footage and video of one Bill Walton promoing his next NBA game. And he is in full tie-dye toga in his little Grateful Dead room (laughs) with bubbles everywhere. (laughs) And there's action figures between little bobbleheads of NBA players and members of the Grateful Dead band. So I need to know from Babbers before we talk to him Wednesday if he's got any action figures of, of the Grateful Dead. I know he's got a few Husker bobbleheads in his office. Well, what's funny is that's just like that's not even an out of the out of the usual day. No, for that's Bill just Walton. that's just Bill Walton. That's <laughs> just he, Monday. He's got some shaman gear on, and he's got some giant walking stick. Now, I don't know that Coach McBride's a big Grateful Dead fan, but Coach McBride, good to be with you. You're you're a you're you're a big Jimmy Buffett guy, aren't you? Oh, a little bit, but Grateful Dead's pretty good. Okay. Queen, some of those, and all that. I wasn't completely out of it. <laughs> the dead and... My kid, and then my kids kept me up. You know, they they kept me up on it a little bit. And I then like I started it. hearing rap, and then I started... And as soon as the foul language came up, <laughs> I said... 
that's not music anymore. Yeah. You know? No, I get. Oh, good, good. Grateful Dead, Jimmy Buffett, Little Queen. I like uh, Coach McBride. We'll have to have a playlist for you. That's pretty good. It's a Monday with Charlie, Mister Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. Coach, we'll get to Super Bowl thoughts here in a little bit. Uh, Kevin Steele's sure. back at Bama. We'll talk about that. But I want to. I want to get your your take on just what Nebraska's been doing and and can do again in the state of Texas from a recruiting standpoint. Coach Rule was down there, the Texas High School Coaches Association speaking. He's been putting a lot of time in Nebraska as well. But what was your guys' emphasis? How much did you lean on or want to be successful (laughs) when it came to recruiting in the state of Texas? And how were you able to do it? Well, I think that Texas was important. I, you know, I I think you know with um, we had some, a lot of kids from from uh, Louisiana, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know you have to kind of go through Texas to get there a little bit. And you know, we we had a few kids you know that came up here that were really good players. Uh, um, you know, as time went on, it was it, was, it wasn't a you know a bunch at a time, but it was. Yeah, we might probably have one or two, three a year, you know, in that that range. And um, but they were in there. But it's it's. I think it's important when you have a person like that that has those connections. Um, I was on the school. I went school board. I was on the coaches uh, board as a board member, or kind of emeritus in um, Arizona, and when I was living out there. After I retired, and I I had I sent six names up to Callahan, mm-hmm. and I think some of those kids, I think uh, Prince was one. You know, mm-hmm. some of those kind of kids. Uh, there were six of them. One kid had a bad, ended up with a bad shoulder, but um, I think three, uh, five of them played. I mean, we're players, and uh, three of them played in the NFL. So, you know, Arizona's really got a lot of good players in it. I mean, I've been out there and watched them and stuff like that, and I think there's I, – I still think there's a lot of good players in the small the small parts, small towns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Texas is really – West Texas is – uh, Texas Tech, you know, and some of those schools down there, they they made a living on them. They decided, hey, look at it. None of, no, nobody of these big schools are going out here. And a lot of speed and things like that that you're looking for there. Texas is a great state. It's um, probably, uh, as far as prospects go, except for maybe California, because California has 40 million people and then, you know, you're talking about Texas. Uh, it's probably close to that. I I could tell you the numbers, but I don't have them in front of me. But sure. Texas is is and a lot of people are moving there, and that was one of the things that helped Arizona as far as high school stuff. Uh, we're 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 Chandler. We're uh, a lot of these kids are from the Chandler area. Is a lot of a place where a lot of the pro players moved to when they played for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's an active area as far as sports and things like that. 
And I'm sure there's other sports that live out that way, too. Charlie McBride's with us on Monday with Charlie. We're talking Texas recruiting and uh, the emphasis Nebraska's putting in to the state of Texas. I look at some of the names that came, and I'm going to forget some, but I look at Rick Burns, of course, Aaron Taylor, Aaron Graham, of course, Broderick Thomas. Uh, you have um, uh, Turner Gill, who was big time from Fort Worth, and I'm, I'm forgetting a few, but there's a lot of impact yeah. guys. Do you think it's been harder for Nebraska to – to mine Texas because they've not they've not been in the Big Twelve for so long, or is it a matter of just sticking with it because of the past relationships? Doesn't matter what league you're in. I, I think it's the relationship. A lot of times in Texas, I think Texas is a school that um, you know if, if you get the, the right coach in there and, and they get some stability and and they're winning is hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, A&M is right behind them. I mean, they, they really work at, work hard at getting the best players out of the state. I mean, they really work at it, and they go, they they get in the, <laughs> they, get, they fight each other for kids. I mean, it's something else, but sometimes it gets a little out of hand, but I know we recruited a real good player down there once, and then Nate threatened his dad's job and the whole thing. So, you know, they don't fool around, and um, that's kind of a sad deal, but that's just the way it is. But I think there's enough, you know, if you look at what's going on right now, there's a lot of people from California that are moving to Texas and uh, and so forth, and, you know, it's just got a good population for athletics. I Milton and I did a clinic down there one time. We went in. We I thought we were in a junior small college stadium, and we ended up being in a high school stadium. And I asked the guy how much did, did all this stuff cost. Now they had a basketball arena, and they had locker. They had fifteen or twenty locker rooms, and he said one hundred seventy million. Well, that was that. How many years ago when we were doing down there? And they were, he said, we're building another one. <laughs> this place was bricks. It wasn't just, it wasn't a, you know, aluminum or whatever you want to call it. It was, it was bricks and, and good seats. And, you know, I, there was no question. I thought it was a, you know, small college stadium, but it was a high school place. And they took care of, I think, four, four teams uh, in their area. It was Cy Fair. It was, um, the area was called Cypher, which has been a populated area as far as a lot of good players go. Can't forget uh, Kenny Walker and, and uh, of course, uh, uh, that's one of the, the guys you recruited from Texas that was was pretty big time. And, uh, Junior Miller, Junior and, Miller was yeah, from Texas. Yeah, that's that's a name. That's a fourth pick overall. Mark, <laughs> Mark, Mark, Mark Benning was from Denton, uh-huh. uh, Texas. In fact, Mark's dad played for Bill uh, Bob Devaney at Wyoming, okay. and that's how we kind of got got in on that thing. And uh, you know, he was a great player for us, and um, Mark was. And they, and you know that that area is. I mean, you know, you point at what area? They're all full of players. Mm-hmm. And when you look at look at the Dallas area, you can sit there and count the number of little towns and so forth. Now. 
I I got a bunch of names, and we need to get, you know, like myself, I need to get a lot of those names that are coaching mm-hmm. to these guys. Um, uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a deal where we have kids down there that played at Nebraska that are coaching football. Yeah. No, I see that on social media. Coach, one one family that's moved from Texas to Arizona, to your point, is Dominic Riola and his son uh-huh. Dylan. And Nebraska seems to be right in the thick of that race to, to get his recruiting commitment, which is a, a far different deal than it feels like it was even six months ago. Nebraska's made some pretty good headway. He looks like a pretty talented quarterback. Well, you never know. I mean, you know, I, it's scary. Yeah, a lot of times it, 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 it scares me a little bit. In that, it's always one of those things in, in recruiting, and, and I don't want to put Bosch on this because yeah. he's a good player. There's yeah. not a question about it. There's not even one question about it. But what happens a lot of times is is Sometimes you get those kids and they don't improve. They just stay the same, mm. and it, you don't know what's going to happen. Then you recruit some guy. You just said, hey, go ahead and take him. That's fine. And he ends up winning the Outland Award. Now, you, you can you can count those guys at Nebraska. I mean, yeah. you, know, you went to guys from Palmyra and some of the, you know, then, mm. you know, kids that are from small, small towns. Uh, so you know they come from all places. I mean, and and it's like the NFL; they'll look under a rock to find a player. Mm-hmm. Charlie McBride's with us, Coach. What do you think about Kevin Steele back at Alabama? <laughs> well, Kevin sometimes just leaves his keys and his credit card on the desk, <laughs> and you know you pick it up in the morning, and he's gone to A and M or somewhere like that. <laughs> He's. I, I'll tell you what. I talked to him. He was retired. He wasn't going to coach anymore. Uh, next thing I know, he had a, a million dollar deal at Tennessee. That didn't. He went from a, just coaching there, or doing something, to a coordinator. And before he even left there, that was only a couple of months till he changed and went somewhere else. And so. Um, you know he's he's one of those guys that got himself in that uh, million dollar range, mm-hmm. and um, you know. And one thing I will say, Kevin's a really good recruiter. I mean, he's um, uh, you know he's 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 a top top guy when it comes to recruiting. He really puts a, a lot of effort into it, and he's a, a really good person for talking with players. And as you get older, you get a little. That's one of the reasons I could see myself. I mean, you can kind of see yourself a little bit going downhill, and it's kind of the age group. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets a little bit that way, and I I could feel that one a little bit in some ways, not with the parents, but with the players. Sure. Well, Steele's back. I mean, he's been at Clemson. He's been at LSU. He's been at Auburn. He's been at Alabama Just twice. Just Miami. Was it Miami? I mean, he's done the – He's been at the recruiting hotbeds, man. He's making good money, but he's still an ace recruiter. I don't, I don't know who's paying him now. I, <laughs> if, if we're, he went, he, now, he was at, at Alabama before, so that's yeah. not a new 
experience. They they know about him and and things like that, and that's that's a smart you know if if he's going to coach, that's a, that's a good person to have mm-hmm. on your staff. Tell me about the Super Bowl real quick, Coach. Couple of minutes thoughts on Philly and Kansas City. Who wins on Sunday? Well, I think you know. <laughs> The soundest team, I think, is probably if you're just going to, you know, play, it's probably Philadelphia. But Kansas City's a little bit in the spectacular mm-hmm. mood. You know what I'm saying? They they have a lot of things they can do uh, with that quarterback. I mean, they, and uh, the guy that's the head coach is um, Andy, really special. Andy yeah. Yeah, he's been around the horn a few times, and he uh, he pulls stuff out of the bag, you know. And he he's good at looking at teams and just saying this is what we have to do. And you know, he so that 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 I give them the advantage for that. And I think Biamini's turned into a pretty good coach, and mm-hmm. he may end up with a head job. Although he may have already been promised. Uh, you know, the head job at Kansas City sure. um, on retirement. But, uh, you know, that. so you don't know how where he's established. There's, there's so many things that takes in your family life. You know, you got to be careful. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be a good ball game. Uh, a lot of Husker flavor to it with DeCaprio uh, no, and Boodle and, and Dominic you know, and Sue. I'm like most of the people around there. I'm kind of a Kansas City fan. You know, yeah. we didn't have anybody to really – cheer for so most of the people up in nebraska are kansas city people so i'm gonna stick with them well you you, were you were a broncos guy didn't you play for the broncos for a little bit they suck i mean (laughs) you just made elijah cry he's wearing his denver shirt he's not wrong but he didn't have to say it (laughs) that's pretty good well maybe they'll get better but i i I hope so. I mean, you know, it's, some of these teams that are hurting right now, you'd like to see them all get better. Man, uh, they suck. That's pretty good. I love it. <laughs> Coach McBride, Coach, eat some chicken wings for us and enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll talk on Monday, okay? Good. Okay. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you, I'll talk to you later. Take care, Coach. Okay. Bye-bye. What do you think of that? I didn't, I didn't quite like it. He just came off the top rope with two steel chairs. His take on the donks. All right. Coach McBride says KC. Jay Moore is up next. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the Big Red and NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing? It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. We say hi to Blackshirt Husker NFLer and co-host Big Red Wrap-Up on Nebraska Public Media. Jay Moore back with us. Bert, how was the weekend? Good to spend time with you today. Yeah, weekend was good. Had some good weather. 
He'll, you know, do some basketball on the weekend, but more importantly, was able to get out and swing the clubs a little bit. So that was that was a win for you know the first weekend in February. It is, man. I know you guys put a lot of work in for the uh, signing day special with Big Red wrap up, and want to start there and get your perspective. You're you're a good voice, man. I love getting your take and perspective on recruiting. Because you lived it as a as a high profile prospect, you also were an in state guy and had a, just a great career at Nebraska. Now you're uh, in I don't know working on your second decade of of the media side of of analyzing prospects, and you're so you're fair, you're very measured with it. Your takeaway with this class and the work that Rule did, I know we're just on the heels of of your guys's preview. Yeah, it it was very impressive. Uh, in my honest opinion, uh, effort was was where it needs to be. You know, I think and he he's already hit on it in saying we're just doing our jobs. You know, I think I've maybe commented on this, but so many people that I talked to is I can't believe how hard they're going out recruiting. I'm like, that's what you're supposed to do when you're a Division One football coach making five million plus dollars a year and you have all the resources in the world, you should be out there busting your tail recruiting because that's, that's the lifeblood of, of your program. And now even more, you know, you with the transfer portals and, uh, you know, JUCO recruiting and obviously then the high school level, I mean, it's, it's a year-round process. So the effort is finally back to, to where it needs to be. I think you'll always see going forward – Big classes, you know, they don't have the, I believe the previous rule was 20, 25 guys mm-hmm. in a class. You couldn't go over that. Now, uh, I think you're always going to see oversigning or not. I don't know if you want to call it oversigning, but just bigger classes in general. I know this one had, had 39 guys in it. Um, doing bigger wrap-up was quite the, was, was trying to talk about each and every recruit in one hour and was, was quite the rush mm. uh, to get them all in. But I think you'll see that just because in college football nowadays, there's just going to be more and more attrition every year. And that's just because of the transfer portals. Uh, that's because of NIL and guys that uh, come in early on in their careers and, and maybe blow up or, you know, and have really good years um, early on. And, you know, they might not be able to, it's just a free agency type of situation, you know, compared, um, compared to what we've seen in years past. I think some of that will, I, I would hope that will slow down as we proceed to go forward in this new age of recruiting and, and name, image, and likeness, and, and so forth. I think you'll, you'll it'll get there'll be some handcuffs put onto a little bit. Just it's gotta it's gotta slow down a little bit. I mean, this is you got to try to make it after what the NFL is. You, you got to say, okay, you're taking this deal, and uh, this is this is a three year contract, this is a four year, whatever it may be. Uh, you got you got to be able to, to have that, but also it, going forward, the caveat on that is you know what uh, you, you got this deal, but guess what you got to hold you up to your end of the bargain as well, and you can you can get cut, and I would assume be cut from your your contract, be cut from your scholarship as well. I know Nebraska hasn't done that in years past, but I think we're just seeing more of the professional game and how they handle it uh, going forward, and I think rules hit that as well. It's you're going to have. Uh, you know, bigger support staffs, and you're going to have general managers, and you're going to have all these people to, ha- to handle 
all the stuff going forward with recruiting because it's just what you have to do. And if you want to compete with the big boys, you want to compete with the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Clemsons and the Ohio States, uh, the Michigans, the Oklahomas, the Texases, you got to have all hands on deck. You got to use every dollar that you have allocated to your program. You got to use it, utilize it, and be as efficient as possible with that. So I think the effort, first and foremost, is there. Uh, every guy, I, I think there's a theme to what Rule is recruiting with, and that is hey, let's get guys in that have exceptional God given talent and things that you probably just can't develop. And that is length and size and speed. You can you can you can somewhat develop speed. You can make guys run just a little bit faster, but you you can't take a guy that runs a, a five flat forty and all of a sudden you can make him run a four five. That's just not doable. Um, if it is, then I then the new strength conditioning coach uh, is is the best is the best of the nation hands down. So I think that's what they're going after: long, lengthy guys that you can add size to and still be able to keep them athletic and, and you're be able to keep their speed up. So I think you see that. And then they're just looking for good ball players, man. You know, good football IQs, uh, high character guys. And then you, you get that, you build that up and then you just, you're able to go and again, plug, you know, pull guys from the transfer portal. Obviously you get three guys from Georgia, you get what three or four guys from, from Florida coming in so you're able just to kind of supplement holes where you you know you need some short turnarounds but also realize that you've got to build your program from a foundational level through the high school recruiting and i'm talking that's at the offensive line level and that's at the defensive line level and so on and so forth that's where you build your your foundation of your, your program and again if you need if you lose a guy to injury or you lose you know a guy to the you know you're able to you got a guy that leads early for the draft, boom, because you've already kind of built that developmental foundational program that, that he wants and that we need and that's been missing for many, many years. But then also, you know, you can go and grab a, a receiver, a tight end, a running back, a DB, a safety, a linebacker, a, you know, any other position from the transfer portal to hopefully fill that, short, that short-term need, but knowing that you also do have guys that you're developing you know, from the ground up to be able to, you know, step in and and create that competition as well going forward. You know, it's a great balance, short-term need, fill the void, so to speak, but also the long-term commitment, the plan of getting guys seasoned for for two to three years in your program with your system and then turn them loose versus throwing Mm -hmm. them in too early. And too many times you've seen guys – that our good football players struggle because they've been thrown in and you wonder about confidence level or are they beaten down because, you know, guys, you fail in football, you do, but you're, you're not used to getting it handed to you. Uh, there's, there's a big difference. So I, I love the, the balance that Nebraska's going with. Jay, real quick on projecting the way that Coach Rule likes to look at fit uh, and and also connect in Texas, and also come 500 mile radius. It's all music to to my ears. That being said, uh, when we talk about projection, that's such that that's been a an expertise of of the great Nebraska years. Is that fair to say, in, in your opinion? Oh, for sure. I mean, that's, that's first and foremost. I think it's just understanding 
who you are, and that's what made Nebraska so good for so long. And it helped having a staff be together for as many years as they were. But they just knew who they were every year. They weren't trying to be someone else, and they knew exactly what needed to get accomplished. And that's being that's being effective. That's being efficient. That's just being smart. And I think in years past, and I think that's hurt what what with Scott is. I don't think he. He thought he knew, but once he kind of got into it and got into Big Ten football, he's like, this isn't going to, you know, now I don't know what to do. What I did know what what worked at Oregon and and what worked at Central Florida, I don't think, you know, necessarily is going to work here in the the Big Ten. And I think having a firm grasp in knowing exactly what you want and knowing what you, who you are and how you're going to go about it and just, that's just what it is. That's how. You, that's just. That's just whether you're building a, a business, a, a college football program, a family. You know, whatever, whatever it is a life. That's just. You got to know what you want, how you're going to go about it, and understand what your what your assets are, what your what your talents are, what your uh, you know just who you want to be. And I think you just once you're able to kind of break all that down, that's that's how you become effective and and maximize what you have. And he said it, you know, on, on uh, busting with the boys in that podcast, you with, with Will Compton and Taylor Luan, uh, Luan is like, I know I have good guys. I know I have good character in this locker room. You know, you don't, you don't go into Iowa city at the end of the year. And you know, you don't have a, you're, you're not able to go to a bowl game, but you can keep uh, Iowa from winning the West and keeping them from going to the big 10 uh, championship game. You know, you got some dudes in there with that like to go to battle and fight. So I, I think that's, First and foremost, I think that's what's important for this program going forward to be effective is I think the characters there, the guys have the right attitude. They just need to be, there just needs to be more, everything has to be in finer detail and streamlined and be more efficient to their approach. I think the talent, there's enough talent here to be, to go to bowl games. <laughs> that's, that's, in my mind, that's, I have no doubt in that. But you just got to streamline the process and get these guys laser focused in to what they need to do and fit what Matt and his staff sees as their plan going forward. So um, it's kind of a long-winded answer to to what you're trying to get at. But I, I think it's just bigger. It's it's from a, the the larger perspective of it all within this program. It's you you look at the the what you want to accomplish, but you got to start breaking it down to, to the finer details. Okay. Okay. Recruiting here, uh, development programs, um, NIL, there's just so many things you got, you got to break everything down and almost have its own criteria and kind of build out from each and everything, you know, offensive line play, defensive line play, you know, secondary, you know, uh, you know, everything, you just got to break everything down and just have everything in fine detail and say, okay, this is what it is. This is how it's going to be. Because when you hit, when crap hits the fan, that's when people start to deter from what they think. They're, they're trying to find that short-term fix. And, yeah, that you might have to do that here and there, but you can't really, you can't deviate from what's important. And you have to stick with the plan, trust the process, and, and keep going forward. So I, I, I'm excited to see that process uh, build and continue to grow and, and get better mm-hmm. here with Coach Rule. 
Good stuff from Jay Moore. A few more minutes with Jay Bird as he'll be on the other side with us. Hale Varsity Radio Monday edition. Spotify, iTunes, Google Plays where you can get the podcast and do individual segments for you or the full show. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. The whole video portion will be up for you as well on the Hale Varsity YouTube chain, uh, YouTube page. And uh, be sure to check out Hale Varsity Radio's Twitter at HVarsity Radio. More and with now. Jay Moore next. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jay Moore is with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency. And Jay, you were just talking about that, that development and, and projection side of things. And when you look at developing these, these freshmen and these transfers coming in, do you think that responsibility falls on the players themselves? Or does it fall on, on the coaching staff? And I know the correct answer here is as a healthy mix of both, but in your mind, which, which side of the equation holds more importance? Is it the coaching staff working to develop these guys or is it the, the guys having that own intrinsic motivation to get better? I think intrinsic motivation is what's most important. There's always a, a, the phrase in, in when you play at a, in any sport in general is, Coaches coach you and, and are, they are hard on you because they care. You should be worried when they stop coaching you because they've given up and they stop caring about your development because you don't care as a player. So I think that you have to, as a player, you have to have pride in, in the process of getting better every day. And there's some guys that, that are, and I believe Nebraska has a lot of those guys, but there's some guys that get there and – they're kind of just happy with being on the football team, and they're they know they you know, they know they probably just don't have what it takes. And I think that's what you know Matt's probably trying to weed those guys out currently in the system. He doesn't want those guys. He wants 150 guys that want to get better every day and want to be developed and want to be coached. But I think Elijah, to your to your comment, I think it's you have it comes intrinsically. It has to come from inside. You got to want it. You gotta you gotta want to be coached. If you get yelled at, you get your your butt chewed out. You know you can't take it personal because you gotta be like, no, what they 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 care. They just care. They want me to get better. And then you gotta take that personal and and say, you know what, I'm not gonna get chewed out anymore. I'm gonna get better. I'm gonna work on my alignment. I'm gonna work on my stance. I'm gonna work on my paddle level. I'm gonna work on my hand placement. I'm gonna work on my uh, breaks getting out of cuts. I'm gonna work on my pass blocking. I'm gonna work on blitz pickups. You know all, all those things. I'm gonna work on giving a little more time in the weight room or conditioning or my, you know, my diet, taking care of my body, all those things. You got to want that. And, uh, this staff's going to keep on them, but, but again, the player has to want to get better. And I, I do believe Nebraska has a bunch of guys on this, on this team that, that do want to get better. Jay Moore is with us. Hail varsity radio talking, uh, rule and signing day and uh, prospects for the program. Uh, what the process uh, will be like with Coach Rule, Jay Moore with us, Blackshirt Husker NFLer, and co-host Big Red Wrap-Up. Jay, uh, a thought as we turn to Super Week. It is Super Bowl 57. A lot of your teammates, well, a handful of teammates anyway, uh, or guys you've covered uh, playing for Philly. Uh, of course, DiCaprio, the lone Nebraska rep from Kansas City. Uh, he spent time with Sue in the program. And uh, he was a pup then. I'm not calling you old. I'm just saying you're experienced. Uh, but, uh, you know, who you, who you got here? You got Philly. You got Kansas City. I thought the line early on was maybe minus two Philly. I'm all on the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles. <laughs> you know, fly, fly, Eagles, fly on this, on this one. 
I'm still bitter about the Bengals game. I'm just going to say it. I'm still, I'm still pissed. Uh, the Bengals should be playing in this, this damn game, and uh, so I'm all, I'm all in the Eagles in this. I, uh, I think it's going to be a good game, but I just think Philly, Philly is the best team, and they've been the best team in in the league all all, all um, year long. Just the weapons they have with Hertz and Devontae Smith and Goddard and Sanders and out of the line with Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey. I mean, you, you just turn around defensively. They got young, athletic, fast guys on that defense that are super physical. And I'm still, you know, with KC's wise, I uh, I think, you know, Mahomes is going to be banged up. Still, the ankle, those high ankle sprains don't go away quickly. I know he's still got a couple weeks to recover, but those things linger. Their, their wide receiver squad has been banged up. You know, their defense has not hasn't been good. Red zone defense, they were, they were 31st in the in the league in red zone defense, and that's where that's where Philly that's where Philly's really good. You start getting those RPO situations, and just with Hurts' ability to run it, you just don't know which way that it's going to go because they're just so you know balanced and they can do so many things to you offensively. So I I think you know I'm rooting for a good game. I, I am, but I could I could see Philly. Uh, you know, taking over this thing pretty pretty quickly. I just, I just, that's my that's my feel. <laughs> uh, you can so you can take that for what's worth. I'm, I know there's a lot of Chiefs fans around here that listen to this interview and saying that Jay Moore guy's full. You know what? But uh, <laughs> this is how I feel. I, I, I do. I I, I, I I think the Chiefs got a you know they got away with one, and uh, I think Philly you know putting up 31 on one of the, on the best defenses in, in the in the league in the 49ers that's gonna be that's a, that's a tough that's a tough vehicle to stop in traffic and uh, I, just, I just don't see them getting the way getting getting in the way of, of their of their progress and you know just their momentum they have that they've had going since uh, game one Jake quickly just your personal opinion do you think this is the the last dance for Indomitian Sue I would think so if he gets a ring yeah I, I would I would imagine so he he picked and choose you know wisely you know, let's, if I'm a play, I'm a play for contender. And if he would get a ring, I, that's curtain call. He he doesn't need to do anymore. He's that's I'm sure that's what he just wants. And he's had a phenomenal career, and obviously one of the best Nebraska cornerbackers ever play. You know, in in the college level, and then obviously in the NFL level. So I would I would assume that uh, he gets he gets that ring. He's uh, he is done. He can go tend to his business ventures, which I. I know he's excited about. Do you think he needs a second ring for the Hall of Fame, or do you think he's in? I know he's played on the interior his whole career, so his career sack total is right around 65 to 70. He's been or was regarded as the defensive tackle well, I, I think, of a decade. If, if I remember correctly, I think he's the highest paid interior defensive lineman in NFL history. I mean, he's, he's made the money, but you, and, and he's made Pro Bowls, he's made all pros. He's had a reputation also as like the uh, the guy that even if he's on your team you stay the hell away from just because he's he's got that you know uh, that uh, dark streak? that dark passenger as Dexter would say that works um, so <laughs> I uh, I don't know I mean do you think he needs another ring to to be Canton worthy do you think he's already there I think he's already there the Hall of Fame stuff gets, it gets a little political yeah, and it, it'll be interesting to see how the people view and how the board of I don't know who, who all sits on it that makes these to figure who's worthy or not I mean yes he has everything there I mean the guy is, he, he was never hurt he never missed games he missed and, one game uh, because of suspension yeah. he was stomping on somebody right. 
and I, allegedly, you know, allegedly stomping on somebody. Yeah, I mean, I, for, I mean, I was only with them for one year, my rookie year, and in in uh, San Francisco and in BY, Bryant Young just got inducted this past year, and again, guy that he did now he had some injuries. Uh, I don't know if Bryant was there with you caught one of those, you know, the Super Bowls. I can't remember if he was. He got one or not with San Francisco early in his career um, when you know when Steve Young and mm-hmm. and Jerry were kind of on their tail end coming out of uh, uh, you know their careers. I think they beat the Chargers in what ninety five, ninety six. Yep, yep. I can't remember if Bui was was on that team because that would have been he might have been because I think gosh, that would have been his, when I got there in 07, It probably been his twelfth year. Yeah, he probably was. So yeah, he has. But I think his career is if it's not. As good, but better than and then but to uh, Wise and Bryant Young. So I would I would he might not be a you know a, a first ballot guy you know but I think he'll eventually get in. He's had the career and he's just too good and he potentially has two rings and I perceive no reason why not that Indomitian Sue would not be in the you know in the Hall of Fame. Three Super Bowl trips, working on a second ring. Uh, we'll see where Sue is after Sunday. Jay Moore with us, uh, Big Red Wrap-Up co-host, Blackshirt Husker, NFLer. Jay, will run you down next week. Thanks for a few minutes today. Yep, you got it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio on a Monday. We'll be checking in tomorrow with Tom Rathman, Husker legend, San Francisco 49er, Hall of Famer and longtime NFL coach. Get his take on the Super Bowl. And on Nebraska, Mitch Sherman with us. Ron Brown will be with us this week as well. We'll run down Searles. We're efforting Lars Anderson as Lars has, uh, well, he goes way back with Jalen Hurts. So we'll get some perspective there. We reached out to a couple of other Huskers in the Super Bowl, guys that have won rings. Back to the, the Sioux discussion. You know, Sue's right at 71 career sacks, 199 games played. He's only missed two games in his career. And he's in that conversation. Sack-wise, he's not where Reggie White or J.J. Watt is at from an interior standpoint. He's probably right around where Warren Sapp has been. Sapp is in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, what, what do you ask Sue to do? Well, Sue's got different stories in his career pretty memorable pretty dominant in Detroit but only went to the playoffs once right uh and and that's where his two highest sack total seasons occurred eight and a half and ten came out of the gates with ten then went to Miami got paid got a tax break had a pro bowl season there so he had several pro bowls and all pros in his first six seasons then he went to Tampa did really well with him and Aaron Donald. Had a really good season with the Rams. 
didn't get the Super Bowl win with the Rams. Had to go to Tampa to do it. But he's been not only really good, was really good with Tampa, but was also a mentor to Va, to Vito or whatever. Vito. V- Vita Vea. Vita. I call him Vito. Vita Vea. But he mentored. Italian. <laughs> no, I know. He's whatever he wants to be. <laughs> okay. And, and then, you know, he's come in. I could see him going off in the Super Bowl. Really. Because, I mean, you've got Fletcher Cox, you have Sweat, and then you have uh, Linville and Sue that come in. They're the second wave. And I could see Sue. And, he, and he's familiar. He did a good job of harassing Mahomes in that Super Bowl. So, but the the difference being that that Kansas City's offensive line was much much worse for that Super Bowl. But you also get fewer reps. I don't know on the second unit, guys. So you're going to be. I don't know that they're they, they were better against Cincinnati. I think there's just too much Philly. I I I'd lean that direction as well. Uh, when you combine just the offensive weapons, I mean, with Kansas City, it's Patrick Mahomes. And, and he elevates a lot of the guys around him. With with Philly, it's those offensive playmakers going and elevating a guy like Jalen Hurts. Now, you, a lot of times you'll hear um, offense wins games, defense wins championships, and I, I think I'd err on the side of Philly winning that as well. But you also don't want to bet against the team that has the better quarterback. And I, I do believe Patrick Mahomes, sure. maybe not head and shoulders above Jalen Hurts, but he's better than Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts just has. Is he going to have to? Is he going to have to carry his team against Philly? I mean, you got Clyde back because they'll need to run the football. Well, Pacheco's earned that starting role, I think. No, but, but Clyde's a good check down guy. That's what I'm saying. Uh, you can put Pacheco in the slot, honestly, and still run it. So we'll see where, where things go. But, but Sue, I mean, don't forget Philly went out to go get Sue and add him uh, about eight or nine games into this season. They wanted a little more insurance on the interior. But he is in the sunset, married, twins, financial guru. So uh, it'd be good to see him go out. Back at you tomorrow at 4 a Tuesday with Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.